0: There's this this thought that okay, I will have confidence when and you can fill in the blank. I'll have confidence when I am this or when I get this or when I become this. It's and that's not what confidence is. Confidence is not based on a position, a title. It's confidence based on who you are today and knowing the value that you bring today.
1: I'm Amy and I'm Abby. We are honored to welcome Valera Wilson to the podcast today. Valera is the author of the upcoming book, You're Absolutely Worth It, and she's also a speaker, a coach, and she's the founder of Positive Identity. So Valera is working to inspire women. Uh, She's just been so great being able to follow you and all the greatness that you're doing right now in your work, relationships, and also in life. So Valera, I'm really excited to dive in, but first and foremost, can you start with a little introduction of yourself?
0: Sure. Well, first of all, thank you a million times for me to join you on the podcast. Hello to all of your wonderful, amazing listeners. Um, As you mentioned, I am a speaker, I'm an author and a coach. And what I do in a nutshell is I help ambitious women succeed. I help them to really show up with greater level of confidence in their careers, relationships, and everyday life by recognizing what they are absolutely worth.
2: And I wanted to start out on a personal note. As I got to know you through your Instagram and through your website, I appreciated that you you really lead with vulnerability. You talked about how relationships used to be an Achilles heel for you, about how you didn't see healthy marital relationships demonstrated, you were raised by your mom and your grandmother, both of which were single women. Can you talk about how that impacted your relationships when you started dating and what helped you to start healing?
0: Sure. So um, to your point, I was raised by an amazing mom and an amazing grandmother. My mother was very young when she had me. She was a teen. And so um, I saw women that were holding it down on their own. Essentially, they were. Um, I watched my mom fix flat tires in a white dress. I watched her go to work with toothaches. I watched her do it all on her own. And my grandmother was the same. My grandmother was a lot older when I was born, um, and so I saw this 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 family unit where all the women were by themselves. And the strength that it took, the resiliency that it took, um, what I didn't see is, was how to be in a loving, healthy relationship. And then, you know, coupled on with some really traumatic childhood experiences for me is that it really left me trying to figure out if I could love anyone, if anyone could ever love me. And I actually that in my book. And that, 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 that mindset, what I spoke to myself as a, teen, as a, as a young girl about relationships and my ability to love and to, to be loved, it it fa- it followed me throughout my dating life, not really realizing that I really believe that what you don't address manifests in your life and it was showing up in, in counterproductive and unproductive relationships, you know, una- emotionally unavailable guys, right? Guys that I wasn't sure where we stood. Were we in a relationship? Were we not? and just not being sure of what I should be demanding or requiring in a relationship from someone. And and what it took for me to address that is I had to start looking at myself and say, okay, what I, what do I think I deserve? Like what, and started to really look at myself and, and I had to start to decide that I was worth more than the compliance or the agreement of this situation that I might be in. I started to really define for myself through experiences, unfortunately, what was really important to Valere, like when I would get by myself, no one in the room, and I really, I actually started to journal, and I and I did this for years. Is what do what do I really want? What do I really see? What what does love look like for me? Started to read books, started to listen to different messages and sermons, and all these types of things to really feed myself with messages that were different than what I had planted long ago, and that's how I started to really change and shift the narrative and and thankfully met my husband and we got married almost eight years we've been married so I had to do a number of things self self work
1: thank you so much for diving into that part of your story and also the easy framework to get there like those are all things that we can start doing right now with journaling and reading books to really get where we want to go So Valera, let's shift gears a little bit and start to talk about the important work that you're doing with a positive identity. So being a marketing director at a Fortune 500 company sounds like enough work, but something must drive you to pursue this other passion and business.
0: I think at the end of the day, our lives are a summary of experiences that are meant to bring us to a certain place in our lives. And so when I look back, I didn't know it then, I was collecting experiences working for different global companies about leadership and about being a woman, about, you know, owning my skill sets. And for a long time, I thought that because of where I came from, you know, I was the first person in my family to go to college, right? I was a, fortunate enough to go to college, graduate. I was the first person to do a lot of things, you know, economically and from as an investor and a lot of different things. Um, and so I started collecting these experiences of what it meant to be a leader to be a woman. And as I started to look around and participate in different leadership programs, both globally and domestically, I started to see um, that I wasn't alone in some of the challenges I was facing or the beliefs that I had that were really more limiting. So I thought, again, because of where I came from, that, okay, that's maybe why you don't feel as maybe smart as everyone else in the room, or you don't feel like you can ask that question, or maybe you don't feel like you can command that salary, all these different things. But I started to talk with... Female founders, C suite women, women that look nothing like me. Obviously, I'm a black woman. Um, And and those those beliefs started to change, and I started to see there's commonalities. And from there, I started to really, really almost get adamant about hey, no, we are worth more, right? We are worth these things, and really started to drive home that message first to myself and to say, wait, all the work that you've done. Is is the reason why you should be asking for certain things. And then to share that message with other women. And it started in my own circles. And then I started with mentoring. And then I started coaching. And so that it's really been an evolution of my experiences throughout different positions that I've had.
2: So it really sounds like having the experience yourself and then putting your hand out for other women and saying, come on, come with me. Um exactly. That's amazing. And I read a blog post you wrote entitled, A Black Woman in Corporate America. And Uh in it, you said, for many women of color, our ambitions can get disillusioned on the road to success, particularly when we don't see people that look like us in the very roles we desire. You went on and you- talked about the added pressure you feel to represent and represent well so that the next Black woman or man will be welcomed into that room that you got into. Can you talk about what other challenges you face as a Black woman in corporate America and even um, if it affects you in the online space?
0: Sure. So uh, I'm glad you had a chance to read that. Uh, That article was written um really from a perspective of my truth and strength it wasn't a, a an article written to look for sympathy or anything like that it was to say hey these are the things that i see and yes there is an added pressure because you know i even talked with my husband who's a business owner about this is that Overwhelmingly, in that, you know, looking at corporate America, if you if you've had a chance to, if you haven't, I would encourage every woman to read the McKinsey and, and Company's um, Women in the Workplace study. They produce this study every year, and you start to look at the number of women in roles from entry level all the way up to C-suite. When you consider how many Black women are in the C-suite, I want to say there might be just one. You know, CEO of a Fortune 500 company right now, um, compared to just women overall, right? If you look at it across different ranks, from like manager, director, VP, we're not there in strong represent in strong numbers. We just aren't, and so it can become disillusion because you're sold and you're told that hey, go to school, get your education. If you look at the numbers too, black women are some of the most educated. And when you look at one one You know, master's degrees, for example, a bachelor's. We're getting the degrees in droves, but the economic output and welfare is not there. The 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 titles and the representation and positions is not there. And then there's something called the broken rung, and and that's um, reflected in McKinsey study as well. Is that oftentimes the the advancement to that first level role, it is actually you know stifled. It's not. I mean, compared to other nationalities, compared to men. It's dismal and I think that that those numbers continue to be studied and even we look at black lives matters right now there is work to be done um, so there is pressure because you know as a black woman I know is hey if I don't do a great job we're already not here in strong numbers the likelihood of someone trusting someone that looks like me again to do a great job is significantly reduced it just is what it is more often than not people hire the people that look like them unless they're comfortable hiring someone that does not look like them. And so that's when we talk about unconscious bias and and, and how that impacts hiring decisions from in companies. So I say all that to say that, yes, um, there is that added pressure. And, you know, for me, I think the biggest thing I look at is, you know, black or not, is just to always do a great job at what I do. But to also recognize and not to leave my background and where I come from at the door when I check into my work. I think that's sometimes for a long time, a lot of black people feel that pressure, right? Well, don't wear your hair a certain way. Don't come across as an angry black woman. Um, all these different things because of stereotypes and perceptions that people have, when at the same time, it's how much of you can you leave at the door without it just completely crushing you as a person. And so I think for me now, I wrote that article to kind of bring it to the article. I wrote that article as a as a acknowledgement of who I am where I've come from and the pride that I have and that that's not changing because I go to an organization that the organization does not have more value than me. I'm just as valuable. It's a mutually beneficial relationship. I know the value I bring wherever I go. And as a black woman, I'm not ashamed to hide that or say that I am a black woman.
1: That is so beautifully said, and we'll make sure to include this article in our notes section as well. And those McKinsey studies, like they change a little bit every year, but it's still the same underlying principles over and over and over again. And when you speak right now, you speak with such confidence. And (laughs) one of the topics that you teach on so well is confidence. And many women from our listeners to our friends to our colleagues, I've seen this. I've heard this. I have personally struggled with confidence as well. So how can women really start to have this
0: confidence and command for their own worth? I think the one thing, and I did a short little audio snippet on this on my Instagram page, and the one thing is to recognize what confidence is not. And so often I have found myself included that, I don't know if it's just a female thing, I don't know because I don't study men that's closely to the study females or women, mm-hmm. but there's this this thought that, okay, I will have confidence when, and you can fill in the blank, I'll have confidence when I am this, or when I get this, or when I become this. It's And that's not what confidence is. Confidence is not based on a position, a title. It's confidence based on who you are today and knowing the value that you bring today. And that could be if you're an analyst or entry-level position, knowing that, in your current position, for example, or a start a startup business. In your current position, the collective experiences, the the hard work, the hours you've spent, the 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 student loans you have to pay back, the startup capital, the sleepless nights, all of that means that you have invested in yourself to get to the point of where you are today. And for that reason alone, you should own where you are today. It doesn't need to wait until you arrive at some, some elusive state of perfection because it's not possible. When you own who you are today, people see that, they hear it, and it causes, it's like a gravitational pull to the right people in your space. It commands a certain level of respect. Um, and so I think that's the important thing is not to wait for the state of perfection, it's to know that what, all the work you've done up until this point requires you to be confident in who you are today. And the other part is that is to share that information. Sometimes we discount what we know and where we've come from. There is unique value. And I keep using that word value because it's associated with worth. There's a unique value in your story. There's unique value in the experiences that you bring. There's unique value in who you are in your skill sets. It's, it's a thing. I'm a marketing nerd by trade. And mm-hmm. so this whole thing of brand identity, your brand is who you are and where you've come up from and what you know. When people start to associate you with your brand, you start to be the person that they call as opposed to you having to call them. You start to be the person they ask questions instead of you having to go there. And of course, there's a, pro- a process of learning and growing and developing. So yes, you're going to have You are going to make less money at an entry level position versus a VP. That is what it is. You're going to maybe not have as much influence as, you know, at a certain stage of your business versus if you're a mature business. But the important thing is to not discount where you are. And I think that's what happens is we discount where we are. And so we're not confident. We discount everything that we know. And we think that everything else, someone else is better than, smarter than, bigger than, more successful and popular than. We use all these metrics And that just, that creates more and more self-doubt, which diminishes our confidence. Mm,
1: You're giving us chills over here. That was so powerful. And when you talk about diminishing our self-worth and also just choosing that waiting game. So just, it makes us want to wait instead of going forward and actually Doing what we set out to actually do, and I know I've played that game before. Um, I still play that game in many areas of my life, and yeah. so many women listening are there too. So, how do you coach women to really start to choose to thrive? This is something that I
0: call. Um, it's kind of piggyback on that last statement. So, choosing to thrive is exactly that. It's a choice. It is not. It is it is optional. <laughs> you can choose not to. You can choose to wait. But I find that oftentimes that when you choose not to, I, I think regardless of where we come from as women, or wherever, whatever face we put on when we go to work and our relationships, there's, a, in, there's an internal part of us that is swirling, that's saying, I want more. I want to be more. I want that promotion. I want to grow that business. I want to start that business. I want to be in a committed relationship. I want to be in a loving relationship. It, so there's a swirl. And I think when you get tired of the swirl, you make the choice to thrive. And I think that's that's the foundation is that, I mean, I could write a book, anybody could write a book, a thousand pages and sell. So you've got to choose. When you get tired of that, you decide, you know what? I'm going to do something about it. And I think the other part of this is realizing that it only takes one step. Sometimes we're trying to think of, I've got to have the perfect Instagram feed to start my business. I've got to have just start breaking it down into steps, small steps, realizing that everything great is going to take time. And so I think that's where the patience with ourselves is required. And to know that it's going to be messy. It's not going to be perfect. It's going to be a step back sometimes and a step forward. There's going to be days where you're going to get no's. But to take that all as not an indication of your value, but an indication of life, and the progress that you make towards reaching a goal resistance is inevitable to anything but it doesn't mean it's just like resistance training resistance training is only designed to build your strength right you don't build muscles by just you know choosing the easiest weights resistance training is designed to build your strength and so that choice sometimes when we choose to thrive there's a gap between where we are and where we want to go and so that terrifies us we're nervous about what that could look like like But recognizing that in that messy middle, that's where we're going to thrive. And that's where the 2.0 version of ourselves comes into place. That's what I call it in my book, the 2.0 version. That's the evolving person that we are becoming more and more. And it's going to be a lot of tinkering, a lot of testing, failure. It's going to be inevitable, but not to let that to just completely keep us from starting in the first place. Um, I, I use an analogy of, the iPhone, for example, the first version came out and they decided, okay, that was good, but how can we make it better? We're on what? I don't even know what version we're on right now. What version do we want? Like 11-ish. Yeah. I've got got an 11. 11 11-ish. So if you can imagine between the first version back in what, 2008 to now, can you imagine how much tinkering has happened? How many bugs have had to have been fixed? How many breaks you know how many times they had to break it how many times they've had to figure it out redo something reevaluate. we're no different like it's that's what we have to go through and that's the part that sometimes we don't want to do and so we avoid that but and when we do that we avoid thriving because thriving will always require tinkering it will always require um, discomfort it will require evolution and in growing pains right so i think making the choice, get tired of the swirl, um, see the future, you know, the future version of ourselves and and decide that we're worth that. And then also recognizing that it's going to be a messy middle.
2: That's all such great advice. And your iPhone example is interesting because my father-in-law still has the second version of the iPhone, which is literally so outdated but he is comfortable with it. He's uh afraid of the new. Mm -hmm. And I know you speak on this. What are the main beliefs that you've heard that keep people where they are, even if where they are doesn't feel fulfilling or where they want to be? Oh, goodness. You know,
0: that's, that's a whole nother book, okay? But let me just say, <laughs> what keeps people- Like, what do they
2: it? say? Like, what do they say about why they're stuck there when they know that there's something else out there for them?
0: The biggest, people can give a lot of answers, but the truth of the matter is, it's fear. Um, that, you know, you hear things like, well, I'll do it when the time is right. or Because we wrap it in other words, pretty words that- sound convincing oftentimes and oftentimes true there could be a better time for something or but sometimes if you dig a little deeper you really see that what people are really doing is masking fear with rational responses or rational words so it could be well I don't really have the time to do that or I really don't know how to do that or do you think I really I don't know if I have this I don't know if I really have the network to do that uh I really it's it's a lot of it's more like questions, right? They come across as questions, or like "I don't know,"s and then you fill in the rest of the wording, or it's well, you know, I've tried that before; it didn't work. So all these different things that you, that I've heard, and then you start to peel it back and you say, "Okay, well, you don't know how to do it. Well, what can you do to figure out how to do it, right?" Or if you don't know if you can ask, have you asked, right? Or if you don't know what the answer is, did you go ask them and figure out? So it becomes a responsibility to challenge the assumption, right? It's, hey, you're saying that, but if I ask you a follow-up question about, well, what have you done about that, or why do you think that, and you really can't give an answer based on some type of action that confirms that that's not possible, then you got to know it's really an excuse. So the other lie thing is, I find oftentimes it's fear, but it's wrapped in pretty, pretty words, you know, over, you know, conversations with friends that, you know, sometimes we'll get pat on the head. Yeah, I understand. And so we feel good. We feel right. good. Like, oh, we've, gotten to, we've got someone to agree with us. So that we, it must be the right thing to do. When the truth of the matter is, when we go back, if we dig a little deeper, truth is we're just scared.
2: Totally, I've totally been there and I can so understand it. you know the first time you're doing something it f- it feels vulnerable. you're like, I'm yes. putting myself out there and it, like spoiler, not everyone's gonna like it no matter what. Nope. so um, <laughs> it's it's an interesting process to go through. Uh, one of the quotes that I saw on your Instagram that I absolutely loved is, being an ambitious woman is good, but being an ambitious woman with integrity, that brings a whole new level of blessings to your life. Don't lose your integrity in the chase, sis. It's not worth it. I loved that quote. As a business owner and as an ambitious woman myself, I deeply appreciated and valued that reminder. Can you explain what you meant by it a little bit more for our listeners?
0: When When I think about that quote, it comes to mind across, you know, your career or your business. There, there's crossroads a lot of times in decisions. And sometimes, particularly if we're, if we're in the chase of success, we can compromise the things that really, really are valuable to us in the pursuit of more. I've seen it happen, you know, in, on the corporate side where, you know, a woman or man will do anything to get that next promotion, and it might include, you know, lying or stepping on people's heads. It might include, you know, doing things or pursuing success so much in their career that the family is not, is neglected. And so the kids suffer, their health suffers. Um, they have no boundaries and you know, what's their, what's important to them are, or what they will do or not do. And so, and then you see it on the business side as well, right? You see it where, People will do things to get a contract or they'll say anything over promise and under deliver or, you know, fudge a little bit on the numbers. Right. And or feel like they have to do certain things that really aren't them in order to compete. And so I just like to think about it as I just want to go to sleep in peace at night. I want to know that whatever I've gotten was not ill gotten because there's always a cost on the back end of that. Um, if you got to lie to get it, if you got to compromise who you really are to to get it, or you're gonna have to do all that to keep it too, and in the process of pursuing all those things, if you haven't defined what integrity looks like for you in terms of how you operate, what you prioritize, people just come along and suck all your time, your energy, your you, and you're you're left holding the bag. And I just, for me, it's just not worth it. You know, I have certain boundaries on for me in terms of there's certain things I'm not doing at a certain time of the day because it's important for me to, you know, spend time with my husband or, you know, there's certain things that I'm just not going to be a part of because I may not believe in it personally. It doesn't matter what the organization is. I'm just not going to do it. And I think we have to anchor in our core because otherwise we'll say yes to everything, And in the process to lose ourselves, and it's just not worth it.
1: You're speaking my language right there Um, as somebody who's been in a consulting role in the corporate environment for 13 years, like all of those things. I see it happening with my coworkers. I see it happening internally with my own family. So I'm just like nodding over here. And one thing Amy is so good at is setting those boundaries and somebody who I look up to a ton with that piece of it. And one thing you just mentioned there was it's just not worth it. Like you want to fall asleep at night and know that your day was well spent, which I'm wondering as a kind of a segue here into. Why you wrote your book? So you wrote your book. You're absolutely worth it. And these are some really exciting weeks right now. So at the time that this airs, it is out into the world. So share with us. What are some behind the scenes as to why you wrote this book?
0: Sure. So I wrote the book. You know, I think we mentioned earlier from a combination of life experiences. And I think there's an opportunity. I've heard someone say where. At a certain point in your life, you're full of something, not full of yourself, <laughs> but <laughs> full of maybe some experiences or something that you really want to share with someone else to pass along, it's particularly when you start to see a certain theme pop up consistently for people around you. and It was just a burning desire for me to share a message with other women to remind them how great they are, because sometimes I've seen how we can forget. And in the process, we settle, we concede, we don't even ask for it. And our lives are flatlined when they could be exponentially accelerated. And it was important for me, just to, as I look back on my life as, you know, growing up with a teen mom, the things I experienced, and the fact that I didn't always feel like I was worth some things, right? I didn't always feel that way. It was either because of lack of knowledge and or just my own self beliefs, limiting beliefs, my own fears. And that I wanted to give a message to that woman. That was important to me because yes, I'm well older now, but there are so many women out there right now that may disqualify or count themselves out or do not believe that they are good enough for what their dreams or goals are. Oftentimes the ones that they don't even talk about because of where they've come from past experiences, their own fears or their own beliefs. And so I wanted to ring sound the alarm to, to for other women that are ambitious in their own right, whatever that looks like, to let them know, to remind them that you are worth that thing. Whatever is in your heart to do, if it's for you to do it on this earth, you are absolutely worth that thing. You do not need to be afraid. You do not need to back down or go mute. It's for you to do it. It's for you to ask for it. And really, I wanted to put it in the language of like that sisterly sit down chat, right? You know, you've always got that friend. We've all had that conversation with a friend when we're like, well, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can ask for that. And then you've got that friend that comes on and say, listen, snap out of it. Yes, you are. <laughs> yes, you can. You know, okay. Perfect example. Like if you had a breakup with a guy, you're like, I don't know what happened. And he, you know, they're like, no, snap out of it. We're going to, you are just fine. You're good. It's his loss kind of thing. Right. And that was the message I wanted to, to give. It's like, no, this is a, this is a sit down message for you. And I'm going to tell you why, even if you don't believe in you, I'm going to tell you why you are worth that thing. And here's how you make the shift in your mind to believe those things um, so that you can say yes to yourself, show up with a greater level of confidence and, in your life, whether it be your career, business, relationships, or everyday life.
2: Well, Valera, you've been so inspiring during this episode. I'm like, I'm gonna go wherever she's going. I think she's has uh, got this figured out. Um when you were writing it, it sounds like did you have someone specifically in mind?
0: Yes. This is this the book is not for the woman who's always had it easy, or always had it for you. Oh, out. I love that. This is not the book of, you know, hey, cheer, rah, rah, rah. This is the woman that says, I really have struggled because of maybe, I wrote the book for someone like me. Doesn't matter their color. Doesn't matter their age. I wrote the book for a woman that's, that, again, has ever said, I don't know if I'm good enough for what I really want because of my life experiences, because of where I've come from, because of maybe what people have said about me, people have said to me things that have been done to me, things that I've done to myself, wherever that place of self-doubt comes from, I wrote the book for her to help her believe in her again or to keep believing in her or to strengthen that belief so that she can relentlessly pursue her goals and dreams. It has
1: been such a pleasure to have you on our podcast today, Valera. Thank you. You are such a bright light in our world and we hope that our listeners can find their way to you. So let
0: us know, where can people find you? Sure. You can find me on social media. You can find me at a positive ID um, or positive identity with Valera Wilson across Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.
2: All right, you guys, you heard where to find her. There's so much great free information. I was all over her blog in preparation for this interview. And I know for one that I will be reading. You're absolutely worth it. So we encourage you you to grab your coffee today.